고민해 고민을 거듭하는 것이 Welcome to the Punks and Pubs podcast. My name is Liam Bird, and this is a 2000 Trees special episode. So, for those who don't know, 2000 Trees is a festival uh, near Cheltenham in Gloucester in the UK. The festival has a, a mixture of lineup from punk, hardcore, rock, death metal, anything really alternative. Uh, so, for instance, this year's headliners were Softplay, formerly the band known as Slaves. The absolute bullshit band, it's my opinion, Bullet for My Valentine, and the absolutely amazing Frank Carter and the Rattlesnakes. It's won multiple awards and has now been going on for 16 years. So last year, they brought podcasting onto their bill. I think it was only one podcast they had. Uh, I think it's called the Supreme Podcast. And this year, they decided to expand the podcast portfolio, and Punks and Pubs was invited to come along and take part. So, of course, I said yes. Now, Instead of doing just a one-to-one chat with a music artist that I might do usually on this podcast, I wanted to do something a little different because I'm going to be surrounded by uh, creative people, musicians, photographers, bucket agents, and so on. And because I had those people kind of in one place, I wanted to tackle a topic that I'm always interested in and one that I think resonates within the music community, and that is gatekeeping. I was thrilled to be joined by three incredible guests who woke up very early to join me on stage to create a panel discussion on the subject matter from different perspectives. So on the panel, I had fiercely talented punk artist Bex, Eula Conrad, an agent from the FMLY agency who has a diverse portfolio of artists on its books. Lastly, I had Leah Stanhope, a member of the phenomenal band Congratulations. Not necessarily punk, but a fantastic band altogether. So together we explored the ways in which gatekeeping affects the punk scene and also more broader the music industry and the experience of marginalised artists. We'll discuss the importance of inclusivity and the challenges faced by artists and the strategies that are needed to break down those barriers. But before we get to the interview, I do need to apologise to Leah. I absolutely fucked up her name from the beginning. I truly apologise to Leah. I was extremely ill of the morning of the live show. Throw in my inability to remember names and dyslexia. Uh, I know it sounds like I'm making up excuses, but really, there was no excuses. I just fucked up her name and I do want to apologise to her. So once again... Leah, if you're listening back to this, I am so sorry for fucking up your name. You'll hear it in the podcast, and I'm sure most of you will cringe. Anyway, apart from that, I think you're in for quite an interesting listen. So sit back, crank up the volume, and get ready for what I believe was a very interesting podcasting experience at 2000 Trees Festival, and I hope we'll continue having this conversation maybe at a later point. I won't be back at the end of the episode, uh, but I want to thank 2000 Trees for inviting me to come and be part of the festival. Go check out 2000 Trees' website now. I think for a limited time, they're offering 30% off for 
next year's festival. But yeah, I'm going to shut up, let you guys listen. Uh, enjoy this, the live show from 2000 Trees. I'll be back in a few weeks' time. Love you. Enjoy this episode. everyone people outside come in hang out don't go to yoga what the fuck come here expand your mind not your bodies my name is liam bird i present a podcast called punks in pubs to make this feel more like a pub we've got some free beer yeah you don't get that in fucking yoga do you we've got free beer so if you want a beer come grab some beer Uh, they're actually surprisingly cold feel free go and grab yourself a can so today what i've decided to do instead of just doing like a one-to-one chat which you'll get in a lot of podcasts this weekend i decided to talk about a subject matter called gatekeeping so in a punk scene, if I don't know if people are here from the punk scene, gatekeeping is something that's been around since like the moment Joe Ramone opened his mouth. Essentially, gatekeeping, for people who don't know what gatekeeping is, it is a doorman who is telling you that you cannot come into this society or this room or whatever unless you look sound or do things the same way. And what I want to do is just have a conversation about it because at a festival, there is an element of gatekeeping. In a, in a podcast, there's an element of gatekeeping. I am gatekeeping whatever, whoever I want to put out to you. At the festival, the festival lineup is putting out who they want to put out to you. So there is an element of gatekeeping in that, but also within the music scene in general, and that's how we're going to talk, there's gatekeeping all over the shop. So to give you a great example, I'm sure some of you have done this. One of the Kardashians wore black flag shirt and some people are like what the fuck how dare you wear that name free songs instantly they probably can't but they might be able to but who the fuck are we to tell her that she can't wear a uh, black flag t-shirt i got pissed off when one direction used the ramones symbol i was like what the fuck you can't do that of course they can like of course they can so that's kind of what we're going to talk about but i am quite old now so i'm not so much in the scene anymore so what i've done i've brought some people who are much smarter and much more in the scene than me i've actually got three people now we've got um i don't know if you people saw her yesterday she was playing the uh, new stage a fantastic dynamic punk artist called bex she is right here come on up bex you can sit here if that's okay and then also i have from the band congratulations she came in very last minute <laughs> um, because no offense bex wasn't too sure if you're turning up that's all right don't worry um so from the band congratulations and i've completely forgot her name i'm so sorry Ah, oh, shit, this is so fucking embarrassing. Le- Lena, Leia. Hello. Anyway, sorry. From the uh, agency FMLY, uh, this person, Eula, has represented several bands who are playing this festival, but she's also worked throughout the, the music industry, so she'll give us a great example of what it's like backstage. For people who uh, turn up late, podcast is Punks in Pubs. Because we're not in the pub, there is actually some free beer down there if you fancy it. Good man. <laughs> <laughs> so I suppose my first question for all of you is uh, a very simple one. I, ve- I very simplistically explained what gatekeeping is to me. I'd be interested to know what gatekeeping means for you in the industry that you, you're in. So, Bex, Punk, Leah. In- Leah, Leah, sorry, Hello. Leah. I'm so sorry, Leah. Uh, Leah in the kind of the alternative <laughs> music scene and uh, Eula in the promotional side. I mean, what, what does gatekeeping feel like for you or what, what do you, how do you define it? I'll come to you first, Bex. Um, so I say gatekeeping has a lot of aspects to it. There's a lot in like the fans as well, because fans like to gatekeep bands, I've noticed, which can kind of affect our careers as well. And then there's a lot of gatekeeping in industry people, which can make it really hard to like get 
where you want to get to because there's like big barriers in the way and a lot of them <laughs> I don't I don't know if you uh, have been in other bands before Bex but like from the punk scene but I can only speak from the punk scene I, I there's always been barriers there particularly if you happen to be a, a woman or non-binary or if you happen to not sound or look how punk is kind of defined yeah so they don't like us anyway because we're punk but I find because I'm female you just get a lot of men in the audience and they're probably not always there for the right reason there's just there's just so many barriers and like you get a lot less respect when you're like I'm a girl and they go oh you're the singer I was like no I actually write all the songs as well like I write the drums too like there's so many barriers I'm not entirely sure if it's gatekeeping because I'm a female but something along those lines but yeah there's there's definitely a difference but I've, I've never been a man so I don't I don't know if there's a difference but I've seen like a lot of people similar to me who are men who sort of get a bit further quicker but things are changing I've noticed a bit of a change so we'll come to the change in a second but you look someone who is there constantly representing bands and maybe you, you might have an artist who is female, non-binary, do you find it more difficult to, to, to find them uh, space either on podcasts or, or on radio or, or magazines or even playing festivals like this? Um, I think we're in a really good space at the moment where people are looking for more diversity. Um, and, I mean, it even got to the point where it's like in Germany, a festival was kind of like, what's the artist? Like, are they non-binary? Are they female? Are they male? And you had to, like, list everything. And I'm like, I don't know what their sexual orientation is. I don't know if they're gay or not. <laughs> so is it a case that we've gone too far? Do you think we're asking too many questions now? I wish it would be more organic, but I feel like we need to kind of, like, go to a place where it's a little bit ex extreme before yeah. it becomes normal um, and how it should be. And for you, Lena, how, how, how do you see it? I suppose the barriers that I experience the most is more like I've been kept out of a lot of conversations in rooms sometimes because I've just been assumed that I'm like someone's girlfriend <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> instead of like actively being there and like performing and stuff like that even though I've sometimes just come off stage I'm still in my outfit <laughs> and yeah so that would be probably for me I can only speak for what I've experienced you know mm. um, being kept out of a lot of conversations just because of the assumption that I'm not necessarily I've got anything to add to it so is that how you see gatekeeping yourself then is the fact that you are not you are not in the room as about to fucking sing Hamilton you're not in the room where, <laughs> where the thing line is it doesn't happen all the time. Um, yes and then you've got you know that, that's more now because I mean it's like alt rock so it's very vague and like there's a it's definitely more diverse and I think that happens less now um, when I was in a tech metal band it was a different scenario yeah. completely another sort of gatekeepy thing I uh, experienced especially in that scene was access to like information around like the tech that I wanted to use and stuff like that I was like really interested in in-ears at the time they just seemed like you know it's such a silly thing now like but they at the time felt really inaccessible to me I didn't know you know I'd never used them before I wasn't able to like get in a room with someone who could show me how to use them or mm. how they were how they worked and um met this person and they were like yeah we all use them and I was like oh, I've got some questions do you mind and they just they weren't very forthcoming and it just really sucked for me especially like they were in, there was another girl in the in the scene and you don't come across many and I was excited to just be in a room with another girl and it just yeah. Yeah, it wasn't what I expected and it was I've taken that and made sure that I if anyone ever came to me I Absolutely, I, I would not do that to them. 
So, so <laughs> I suppose that, that's a good point, though, because like on a holistic kind of aspect, the music scene isn't just the people who are on the stage. It's also the crew. It's the lighting. It's the tech. There's so many elements whereabouts. Like if we want to make it an inclusive space, because that's that's the thing that's always thrown. I think in no matter whatever genre you're in, if you're punk or if it's metal or if it's whatever, it's it's a community. It's an, like everyone's here together, but it's not. There is that element of well, actually. There's this community as long as you look at do drugs like us or drink like us. Like a lot of my mates are in like the backstagey sort of side of things, and yeah, and I've definitely heard that a lot. Especially like people like to go hard, and it's like quite isolating if you're not necessarily like a party person, yeah. I guess. But I suppose the work, the job, like it's important to know also that the work is hard, and sometimes it's like we gotta get through somehow. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, I'm interested to know because I've spoke about it from like the punk angle and you're someone who's represented multiple kind of genres of artists is there one particular area of music where you think it's worse or is it one that's better you don't have to name the people but like just in general like the the, the music scene yeah there are genres that are worse like as you mentioned I think tech metal um, and death metal and those sort of genres um, are not that inclusive and I don't know why I think there's just less women and non-binary people in that scene or maybe they just don't want to go out maybe yeah. they don't feel comfortable in that scene and what I experienced was that they're really awkward with me when I'm like I'm just like I'm an agent like I'm again I'm not someone's girlfriend like <laughs> I feel like I, especially at the start like I felt like I had to earn my place also with like drinking and that kind of stuff and there's definitely like a thing with drugs as well where people like bond over taking like certain drugs and everything and I'm not a druggy person so I was like it's the same as like we're talking about football taking like different drugs I'm like I, I can't yeah. be in your crew because I'm like I'm not interested um, so there's definitely stuff like that yeah it's definitely changing which is a great thing like it's really good to see that um, people try and t- pay more attention to like diversifying lineups. So so for you Bex what, you played the new, the new stage yesterday and I think one of the things that festivals get criticised about is not ha- actually having a, a um, very varied lineup, as in either with gender, race or sexuality. I think 2003s are, have done amazingly well over the past couple of years to, to bring in more acts. What, what role do you think festivals like this should be doing or, or are playing in to try and push the, the scene that we like in, in, in punk music and also in alternative music? I mean, what, what role do festivals like this have? A very big one. If you're like on a festival lineup, suddenly people think that you're like validated. You can play like the earliest slot on the smallest stage, but as soon as you post that like festival poster on Instagram or something, everyone's like, oh wow, these guys are actually important. Whereas before they would have been like, oh, you only have a thousand followers, I'm not going to follow you. Sort of kind of really petty. So I think festivals making things a lot more inclusive is really important because there's so many bands that are up and coming that maybe aren't getting a shot just because they're female-fronted or non-binary, and it shouldn't really make a difference because it doesn't affect the music. Like, it doesn't matter who's singing it. It's still going to be the same song. So you're probably further along the way in your career. That's not my way of saying old. But, <laughs> but I mean, is that, are, you, are, you, are you seeing what... Are you hearing what, what... So did you experience what Bex is saying? Is like, actually, when you get a festival like this, you do feel that validation. You do feel part of the music community. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think festivals are a good one because it is, you know, there's more bands so you get you know it's more diverse just 
by the nature of it, but a lot of the lineups I'm on and stuff still are very like three boy in band, and that's fine. That's fine. Like, I, do you just really yeah. insult some people in this crowd? Like, that's my fucking favorite band. I'm quite hungover. <laughs> like, there's so many times where there's not been thought taken. Like, sometimes I have to get changed in the toilet and like the floor's wet, oh, yeah. and like the boys can just all go in the green room and just like get in their pants and hug, which is lovely, but <laughs> I can't. Like, I, and yeah, the amount of times it's just that in like normal gigs, I suppose, like, yeah, it's not great still. Like, there's so many times where I'm just like, I haven't even got somewhere to get changed. Like, there's a queue for the toilet. I'm on in five minutes, please. Like, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> you look kind of going away from the gender aspect. I mean, is there kind of still at festivals an elitist asset uh, whereabouts if you haven't got this many followers or like something that I despise is pay to play because I think that's a bullshit way of getting bands onto onto bills people who don't know pay to play is essentially it's really big in the punk scene whereabouts you have to you'll be given 50 tickets and in, essentially it's your job to sell those tickets not promoter or the festival is that still a thing is is that kind of unless you haven't got the the audience you're not in because as Beck said like it, this is giving you validation coming on here this is going to boost your audience so really what in my belief system, the, 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 the festival should be putting on probably more unknown artists, but I understand there's a balance between ticket sales as well. From you, from a business aspect, can you understand why there might be this elitism? I put words in your mouth there, I apologise. <laughs> but like, yeah, do you, do you understand like two sides of the argument? Yeah, so I definitely get the um, well, ticket numbers aspect, because that's really important for the festival, because like, no one has got money at the moment, um, and... Yeah, they need to have a few bands that are selling tickets. They can't just book whoever they like. I don't really think that social media numbers matter too much. Like, it really depends on the festival as well. It's like, I mean, it's the politics of the life industry. It's like, what promoter are you with? That promoter owns a few different festivals. It's more that involved. And like, what agency are booking what? And if you've got a headliner, you can put on a few upcoming acts where like some other boutique agencies where they've just got smaller acts maybe don't have the access as much as I can just say like you book the headliner take those five bands I don't care if you like them yeah no I forgot what I was saying that's right <laughs> it's early and we're all kind of hanging by a thread <laughs> but people who do want to by the way there's still free beer down here if you want to go grab some uh, that's promoting straight edge attitudes uh, so for you Bex because Again, I'm, I'm going to come from the punk scene because that's that's what we know. Yeah. Uh, I don't look like additional punk. I've I've never dyed my hair. I've never had a mohawk. I I I, I think at one point I used to have bootcut jeans. Like that that that's a thing. So there, there's certain things where actually you need to look the part. You need to, and I don't know yourself as someone who works in fashion. You'll have an idea of actually your own self identity. So how do you battle that kind of old ideology of this is what punk is and and you yourself going well actually no this is this is who I am and I am punk I'm sort of not calling it punk people keep calling me new punk which I have no clue what that is but I'm claiming it as my own that's the genre as for the fashion I sort of see you have to wear like punk is all about expressing yourself on the outside it's not about fitting a stereotype it's about literally avoiding all stereotypes and just because it looked a certain way in like the 80s doesn't need to look like that anymore so you can still keep, like, aspects of it. Like, you've got, like, patchwork shorts. That kind of is punk, even though they're, like, blue and I have green. been validated by a younger person. <laughs> I am done. <laughs> my drop off. 
<laughs> but yeah, it's just like keeping like small aspects like tartan, but like you wouldn't see like Sid Vicious wearing a puffy tall skirt. Like it's just keeping different aspects of it and growing with the times as well. So you need to, I think it's really important to find yourself and then what you feel comfortable wearing. And if you like punk music and you have a punk mentality, then you're a punk. But to kind of push back on that, what if you, you're going to a club and there are a load of punks there and they are essentially not talking to you or not being around you or not including you in the conversation because you don't look like them? Because that's an instant thing of, well, I feel like I'm part of the scene, but the scene's rejecting me because how I look. Yeah. I mean, how do you battle that? It's really difficult. I'm quite cutthroat. I'd say don't talk to them then. Not <laughs> worth your time. It's difficult to make friends that have like similar interests to you because like the easiest way to find that is we all judge off our eyes straight away. And as much as you say you don't judge off the way people look, you do because your eyes are the first thing to see it mm. unless you can't see. You're always going to judge someone, but I think also being in punk, like you're supposed to include everyone else. Like, this, the whole point is meant to create a community and it shouldn't matter what you're wearing. And the whole point was that, like, you couldn't get designer clothes, so you made your own clothes. Like, you couldn't afford this, so you get it secondhand and cut it up and stick it onto something else. So, fashion-wise, it is accessible. Whether you want to dress like it or not is a different story. It's not very comfortable. So, Beck spoke about if the scene's not accepting you, you, you create yeah. your own scene. Is that, mm-hmm. is that how you would see it as well? Uh, yeah, especially now in, like... We- Alt rock, that's yeah, it's yeah, whatever. Like what we do now is very completely just doing our own thing, doing it for ourselves, and then you know I think that's such a good mentality. Is actually instead of trying to make something for a, a scene, yeah, actually just do what you want to do, and people people will flock to it if, if it's worth it. Do you know what I mean? And you, ultimately. There's no money in all of this. You might as well bloody enjoy it and do what you want to do. Do you know what yeah. I mean? You, like, God forbid you enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I completely agree. Um, Eula, um, I'm interested to know from, from the kind of agency angle, is gatekeeping even spoken about? Like, do, do, do you, like, in your own circles, on your little WhatsApps, do you go, fucking this podcast or what this fucking magazine is is enemy still a thing can we can we even reference that i don't want to get sued by enemy i'm sure they still can afford lawyers do you speak internally about like certain agencies who just like fucking the toxicity of toxicity they talk about like community and and being part of a family again going back to we are a family that are basically the same because toe the line or you're not part of this family yeah again, so you don't have to name names unless you want to i'm not gonna name and shame um <laughs> Not at 9am. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, well, as an agent, we're, like, basically doing the opposite thing of gatekeeping. We want people to hear about the bands. And whatever people then do with it is not really our business anymore. Well, we can't control it. I'm really lucky that I've got a lot of bands who are, like, really inclusive. Um, so people that you don't even want to have there, they just leave at one point because they don't agree with the values of those bands yeah regarding like podcasts and that kind of stuff like we have recommendations of like what are good things to do and what aren't but it's more about people being professional or not it's not really it's like this is not cool enough like maybe don't do this because this is not cool it's more like Mm. 
they fucked us over, they didn't pay the band or something like yeah. that. If anyone's got any questions in a second, by the way, I'll, I'll, I'll see it, I'll come to you guys. And we're going to talk about like how we can actually try and make this a little better. But I'm going to do a bit of devil's advocate because within the punk scene, to me, there are elements of gatekeeping that I, I think need to be there. And especially from our scene the far right and also for me trying to keep people out who are trying to make money for the for their own selfish reasons i have no issues with bands selling out because bands should fucking make money for their art and it's ridiculous if anyone's ever got a band and they were signed to a major and like oh fucking can't listen to them anymore grow up like <laughs> they need to fucking make money but there, there are positive elements of, of gatekeeping in my my opinion and, and it, there, there does need to be an element of like if this is your belief system fuck off you're not part of us but as beck said they'll go find and make their own uh, group. I mean, I, this is a question for all three of you. Do, do you see any positive aspects of gatekeeping from, from your own perspective, not necessarily the ones that I've just possibly put in your mouth? Uh, yeah. I think it usually keeps the dickheads away. If you're playing a show and there's people like causing trouble, then like all your fans are going to like gatekeep you as an artist and be like, leave, you're not welcome here. There's definitely like, there's a balance that I don't think has been found yet but I think it will be found eventually. And like all these subcultures have like rules for a reason. And that's the reason we all get along inside them. So I feel like to keep like some people out is sometimes necessary because it's only when they're the people you don't want included that they kind of need to stay out. And then they will find their own subculture and they were probably doing no harm in yours. It's just, it wasn't the one for them. Mm. So I think there is a level that needs to be like found. I know on TikTok, gatekeeping is like an enormous thing right now. And it, it's, a, it's a bit toxic. It's not very nice. Can you explain to a very old man what kind of gatekeeping is happening on TikTok? So it's sort of like, like people getting annoyed that it happened loads of Bring Me. Like when they released like new songs, they were kind of like poppy. Everyone was like, I was an OG fan. I, I knew them when they were actually metal. They're not metal anymore. Like, you're not a real fan. And, like, sort of, like, telling people they're not actually fans of people because yeah. they've only just found them. Like, you don't know what happened in someone's life for them to just find a band, like, now. Like, what if they didn't have access to music until now? So there's so many, like, barriers that people don't even look past. They just look at people as they are and then just judge them and push them out of a scene before giving them a chance. So I feel like gatekeeping needs, like... You need a conversation before you start pushing someone away. Just like the way you look. We still have like similar values and we still love the same music. So for me to like walk up to you and be like, oh, you don't look punk. Never mind. Like that's too far. It's too much. And, and for you, both of you, sorry, I'd love to you like, <laughs> carry on. Uh, <laughs> but like, yeah, I, I suppose really from uh, Eula, from, from the, uh, the agency side, I mean, do you see positivities in gatekeeping? I mean, the music industry is like a contacts business. It's all about like who you know and who you trust. And I mean, there's a lot of negative things about it because there's like a, a lot of younger people or people from minority backgrounds might not have the access for the longest time or might not. Yeah, might not be old enough or wise enough or experienced enough to be introduced to certain people. But then at the same time, it's quite nice to have a network of people who trust you. Like a lot of, I've got a few like upcoming bands playing at Trees because I know that James really like values my opinion and like he can trust me that I'm going to find good bands. And yeah, so I think that's a, that's a good sign um, to 
yeah, just find people that you trust and keep them close and, um, yeah, book their bands. Bex kind of touched on the fact you needs to be having that conversation. But we seem to live in a world now where that's everything, the conversation is usually online. So therefore, the, the, if, I, if I say, okay, you might not know what kind of, okay, am I like, okay? Or am I like, okay? Is, is that kind of conversation not there anymore? Old white man talks about how social media is ruining society. Is that playing its part, though? I don't know. I think from my experience, it's just made things more accessible. Like, I think I, I've brushed over it this whole time, but like, I still have a lot of privilege. You know what I mean, and there's a lot of things, you know, I can say, oh, things are working out well for me because of, you know, because of certain things. And I can only speak for myself and it, we have to rely on it so much now for just to get, get in the door, really. Yeah. I don't know, really. That's <laughs> right. We're, we're, all, we're all just fucking blindly walking through this very complex... Just working for yeah, you. Yeah. Um, so for the people who will be listening on the podcast and the people in this room, I love the fact that the guy's just given up and started reading. <laughs> He's got his beer, though. Uh, I mean, what, if I go through one of you one by one, I mean, what advice would you give to someone to try and probably, they may not even feel like they need to do anything, but I think that if you're not doing anything, then you are kind of contributing a little bit. What one simple thing would you, would you give to the advice to anyone in this room or listening to, to kind of open up our community a bit more and try and get rid of the gatekeeping that we don't want to see Vex first? Um, actually give people the time of day. Give them a conversation. If their band only has two followers, actually listen to their music. They'll still be good. Like, it doesn't matter how many followers you have. Just give people the time of day. For me, I think... Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) You can skip. Yeah, no, I have a thing. Do you want to go first? So, I think it's, like, really important for people to get involved, like, in music somehow. Like, promote your own shows, go to shows. Yeah, I think, like, from the industry perspective, there's still a lot of work that can be done as in getting women and people from minority backgrounds um, in higher roles. So it's the whole process of basically having, like, someone in the booking team. Like, just have a diverse booking team gets you a diverse lineup. If there's just um, old men in the booking team they probably don't have as varied opinions as someone else could bring to the table so um yeah if you feel like powerless and feel like you can't really do anything just get involved and change something like yeah and transparency is really important so it's like with a lot of bands i show them like the booking process and if they've got any questions i always answer the questions i want to kind of like get away from the are the agents just does their thing like some bands don't even know their agent because everything goes through management but for me it's like I send all the offers to my clients all the time and then they have to decline and I can just like give some feedback and some insight onto it so yeah I think like just being transparent and like not being afraid to take action sometimes a focus on like what like people can do for us in bands but actually like as a band like what can we do to actively help the industry and I think there's so many things like if you get offers from some booking agents for example like um you've got one guy who's you know not you don't necessarily relate to but he he's got really good credentials and all of that or you've got someone younger maybe who doesn't necessarily fit that typical like old man in music (laughs) role and you know it's so worth giving them a chance because you end up having such a better experience you know you can relate to them you end up having more meaningful like connections with people within the industry and I think there's so much that we can do as artists actually supporting it th- that through the industry rather than just being like what can you do for me I, I'm going to wrap up soon but is there any questions from anyone in the audience who gentlemen there 
Um, I'm going to run to you. I don't know how far this is going to go. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. It's been really interesting. I guess what I'm wondering is, like, where do you think we're at with queer representation? Because I guess for me, growing up in like, rural, kind of hardcore punk scenes, I didn't see myself represented there. And now I'm part of queer scenes. I do, but they're all into different music. Like, my queer community is into, like, clubbing and stuff, which isn't my scene. I feel like I'm in between two worlds sometimes when I'm into all this music, but I go there and I don't see, like... I probably most of the time look more like Bex than like you. <laughs> um, which, no offence. <laughs> Handsome man. But, <laughs> like... But I don't always feel like I can uh, represent myself in that way in, yeah. like, some of these, like, quite hardcore scenes. Yeah. Even though that's the music I love, so I'm like, what, you know, where do you think we're at with that? Tom, or T.S. Can I, can I pluck? T.S. Idiot. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a queer punk poet, is what I do, so. Oh, that's yeah. sick. <laughs> um, any of you want to take up that? Uh, I would say it's really, it's probably the most, what's the word, not recognised thing in the scene right now. It's definitely coming along. Do you know a band called The, the Oozes? Yeah. Queer punk, like, they're the ones that are going to make the difference. I have two straight white men in my band, so I can't make as big of a difference, but I myself can. So I think it's definitely coming along. And I think because like the punk fashion as well is sort of morphing into this alternative fashion, there's not so most of the hardcore like knuckle duster punks aren't in this sort of younger generation, and they're they're a lot older and they're not probably around. In, like they're not my gigs, so I'm not sure whose gigs they're at. Probably at like Rancid or something. But there's there's definitely like it's coming. I can feel it coming, but I just I don't know when it's gonna happen. But there's there's bands at trees that are definitely part of it. Kind of touch on that. Is is it a case that booking agents aren't booking them? Like there isn't a space to have that. They are like a shock. Like if you see the oozes, it is a shock. It's a great shock. I'd say it's probably harder for them to pull a crowd because they're so different and they're so underrepresented. What's the word? Underrepresented. That's the one. Right now, in maybe like two or three years, it's going to be a lot further along. But I do agree with you. It's not quite... It's not there, and it should be, because punk is all about like expressing yourself and being yourself. You know, I'm going to come to you. Is that okay? <laughs> yeah, I've got something to add here. First shout out to Toki Horror, queer fucking hardcore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's definitely changing, um, but I'm struggling sometimes because um, I work with a lot of queer bands um, and in the rock scene and in the hardcore scene. And it's sometimes hard to find the right venues. Yeah, it's really hard to find the right ven- venues because they're like, are they going to go into that rock space? Are they going to go into that club space? But they're... Like, it's a queer venue, but there's not really rock music here. And then the audience are just going to be rock people, and then they might find this place is a bit weird. Um, But it is changing, and I think that there's definitely a place for it. I work with a lot of bands in, like, in-between spaces and in, like, any sort of way, um, which I find really interesting, but it's sometimes harder to find them a place but as soon as you found that place people are like I actually get it and this fits everywhere and this is really cool but yeah there's work to be done um, it's changing there's a but there's a lot of great bands already out there right I think we're done uh, thank you all three of you for coming chatting very fucking early uh, uh, <laughs> I feel like we've, we've, we've survived and we've got through it uh, together um, so yeah thanks also for you guys for turning up and uh, hanging out with us thank you for listening my name's Liam Bird uh, this has been the Punks and Pubs podcast and if you're going to a show today and you see someone fall down you pick them right back up thank you very much guys <laughs> bye bye thank
Thank you.